Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The great Western religions tell us that heaven doesn't have a physical address. You can't use Google Maps to calculate the route to paradise. But the legend of Shangri-La says differently. For hundreds of years, explorers, spiritualists, and, well, nutcases have been lured to the Himalayas by the tantalizing promise of a mystical hidden valley, a real utopia. The residents there, they say, never age, and war and sickness are just distant memories. But surely the story of Shangri-La is just that, a story, a hopeful myth about a magical world. But maybe not. In the most remote reaches of Nepal near the border of Tibet, is an area known as the Mustang, a region that has been closed off to the outside world and seemingly to the passage of time. But now, archaeologists have been granted access to explore this hidden realm. They've discovered thousands of so-called sky caves, man-made chambers carved into the sides of impossibly high cliffs. Who made them, how, and what secrets are hiding inside? Several caves have already been explored and have yielded up incredible artifacts and manuscripts that may point to a real paradise. I plan to join a team of explorers near the roof of the world, seeking the truth behind the mythical kingdom of Shangri-La. The mission is dangerous, but the reward could be nothing short of heaven on earth. My name is Josh Gates. With a degree in archaeology and a passion for exploration, my travels have taken me to the ends of the earth as I investigate the greatest legends in history. This is Expedition Unknown. My expedition begins half a world away from the United States in the Himalayan nation of Nepal. Kathmandu, a city of more than a million people perched at the intersection of faith and commerce. You step off the curb here, and you're swept up in a river of Buddhists and Hindus, of touts and trekkers, all somehow blended together in a beautiful chaos. Kathmandu has long been a destination for spiritual pilgrims and a magnet for daring climbers from around the world. Inside one of the city's many bookshops, I even managed to learn my first lesson about Shangri-La. 
So we all know and use the term Shangri-La to describe anything that seems like a paradise on Earth. It was first coined in 1933 by a British writer named James Hilton in his novel Lost Horizon. And in the book, he uses it to describe this mystical valley in the Himalayas, a place of eternal happiness whose residents are nearly immortal. But it turns out that Hilton based the term Shangri-La on something much older. To learn about the real origins of Shangri-La, I'm meeting a monk at Swayambunath Temple, otherwise known as Charlton Heston's worst nightmare. Monkeys, very cute, but they can be a bit moody and aggressive. These monkeys are considered holy, which means that nobody messes with them, and they basically run the joint. Easy, easy. I have no idea where all these monkeys are going. I assume there's a matinee King Kong screening happening up here. At the top of the temple, I emerge into another world, a realm of incense, of prayer wheels, and of sacred spaces. I must have come to the right place. After all, the Lama that I'm meeting is named Buddha. We have this idea of this place, this paradise up in the mountains, what we call Shangri-La. Is it based, though, on something real? Yeah. We don't call it Shangri-La. Traditionally, we call it Shambhala. Shambhala. Shambhala is a sacred land, pure land. It's a kind of physical place, but we can't go there with mortal body that we have now. Tibetan Buddhism teaches the pursuit of enlightenment, a mental state achieved through meditation, encapsulated by pure joy and a total release of a sense of self. Shambhala is the physical expression of this enlightenment. If I go to Shambhala, all my suffering is gone. It's only bliss there. It's a blissful world. Right. So how do I get to Shambhala? Very easy. You can go to Himalayas and meditate and then begin your journey. I see. So Shambhala is a state of being. But could it also be related to a real place? There's a team of archaeologists trying to figure that out right now in a remote ancient kingdom within Nepal known as the Mustang. They've recently begun to explore a valley filled with mysterious sky caves and whether this could have been a real-life Shambhala. My mission is to join them and to find out. But before journeying into the Mustang, it's important that I get properly equipped. I have you on. You have what I want? Oh, yeah. What do I want? I want, this is what I want? Yeah. A pornographic pipe. You know me too well. Yeah. <laughs> but Kathmandu is also a staging area for the nearly 100,000 trekkers who pass through these crowded markets every year. Stores are filled with climbing gear for even the most hardcore expeditions. <sighs> Sir, is it 100 degrees in here? I don't think it's going to be this cold. It's negative 40 degrees Celsius. Okay, if you say so. You're the expert. I just got to get my shoes on here. I'm close. I feel like I'm at a Christmas story right now. I got this, guys. Nobody jump in. By the light of a new day, my crew and I head to Kathmandu's airport. We're accompanied by our fixer and my dear friend Mahendra, one of my most trusted contacts in the region. To link up with the archaeologists investigating the sky caves of Mustang, I'll need to undertake one hell of a commute. First, we'll have to fly by plane from Kathmandu to the remote landing strip in Jomsom. From there, we'll take a convoy of 4x4s north into the Mustang Valley and the village of Chuksang. Unfortunately, my crew and I have arrived during a political firestorm. 
Tensions are brewing to the west and India has decided to shut off all fuel flowing into Nepal. The result? A crippling gasoline shortage that threatens to derail my entire expedition. With no fuel, a lot of people are stranded here, turning the domestic terminal here into uh, bedlam. Our flight to Jamsam is no different. Our fixer Mahendra talks to the pilot and brings back what I'm hoping is good news. What's the word? We're supposed to have a charter flight. A charter flight, yeah. It's canceled. Charter's canceled. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My crew and I are trying to get out of Kathmandu Airport to meet archaeologists working in the Himalayas, investigating a real-life Shangri-La. But things aren't looking good. Charter's canceled. Yeah. The, 100%? 100%, yeah. There's no fuel, no gas. No gas. Yeah. So they can't fuel the plane? Yeah. So how do we get to Johnson? Uh, maybe we, we talk to a helicopter company. They have some fuel left. Well, let's see if they can hook us up. Okay, sir. Thanks. Okay. Mahendra goes to wheel and deal, and we wait. 20 minutes later, we get our answer. He got it? Yeah, we got him. Seriously? Yeah. We have a limited window there, but uh, we should be okay. Let's do it. There's a catch, though. Due to the altitude, we have to limit the weight of our gear, and we can't go over by a single pound. 13.6 plus? 5.5. 5.5 plus? 16.3. 16.3. So we're at 579 pounds. What's our max weight? 880 pounds. 880, we're good, we're under. All right. All right. And everybody had a salad for dinner last night? Yep. With our gear stripped down, we hit the runway. Due to its location, Kathmandu Airport is socked in by fog nearly every morning and all manner of aircraft have to wait for a window to punch through the mist. Incidents and accidents are common. 
I try to put that out of my mind, though, as we climb aboard our modified high-altitude chopper. Coordinates? Check. Seatbelts? Check. Fuel? Sure. Our uh, Royal Nepal 205 will be ready on the turnaround. As we rise over Kathmandu, the scope and scale of the city comes into view. And then we enter the clouds. This is, in short, some of the most stressful flying on Earth. It doesn't matter how high the helicopter rises, because all around us are eight of the ten tallest mountains in the world. Fog looks like it's burning off. There is nothing in the world to which I can compare this view. No metaphor to do it justice. Beyond the glass, there is only the towering, snow-capped majesty of Himalaya. Is it any wonder that Buddhists consider this the home of the gods? Not much wiggle room in here. The pilot navigates between two soaring peaks, and while it seems like the absolute ends of the earth up here, I'm amazed to see a village and an airstrip below. Fuel is running low, and we circle in to land with nearly 50 mile an hour wind gusts. Not much of a runway. Short. Contact. There we go. Hey, great flying. Thank you. Let's go find Shangri-La. We suck in the thin, cool air and enter what feels like a waking dream. A picture-perfect village 8,800 feet above sea level. This is the uh, village of Jamsam. It's a little more than a street with a few little shops and guest houses for trekkers who make it up this high. For us, a staging area where we could begin prepping our vehicles for the road ahead. And I do mean the road. There's only one here. Here's the plan. From Jamsam, we'll follow the Snaking Canyon north to the town of Chuksang to meet the archaeologists. From there, our convoy will push further north to investigate the mysterious sky caves that could be the real-life Shangri-La. A few miles north, we pass a faded sign. Rough translation, entering the Mustang region. No trespassing by outsiders. This is a world that was totally closed off to foreigners until the 1990s. Even today, entry permits like ours are extremely limited. The result? A place out of time and nearly untouched by the modern world. It's almost night when we arrive at our destination. Welcome to Chuksang. This is a tea house, and you find these all over the Himalayas. They're basically very simple guest houses. Caters to a lot of trekkers. A family will run this place. They have food, hot tea, and coffee. They are very simple but essential accommodations. These are lifesavers up here. There is no heat here or uh, electricity at night, it doesn't look like, but um, that's okay because, uh, well, it's not outdoors. I mean, it's almost outdoors. It's really cold in this room. Home sweet home. In the morning, my crew and I get busy packing for the onward journey. And right on schedule is archaeologist Mark Aldendurfer and Mohan Singh Lama from Nepal's archaeological ministry. This is your office. And this is my yeah. office, that's right. Yeah. What an office, huh? Mark may look like the lost almond brother, but he happens to be one of the leading experts on high-altitude civilizations. So we're just getting the cars loaded up, but while they're doing that, maybe you can give me a walk around? Yeah, let's do it. Please yeah, lead the way. Yeah, yeah, come on. We hike out of Chuksang to find our first clue to Shambhala's location. 
and Mark leads me to a view that I've traveled 8,000 miles to see. Okay, this is stunning. It's a pretty extraordinary place, isn't it? Those are all caves. All caves, yeah, yeah. all, all made by people. All those All made by people. They're not natural caves at all. Do we know who built them? We believe that the people who built these were from the Tibetan Plateau. How many individual caves total do you think there are? I would guess there's more than 10,000. More yeah, than 10,000. Yeah. And of that 10,000, how many have explorers been into? 300. Oh, you guys got a lot of work to do. The cliffs are made of very poor sandstone riddled with larger rocks. The result is a fragile conglomerate that can collapse at the slightest touch. Several climbers have been injured attempting to reach some of the caves, which is why most are still unexplored. Well, if you want something hard to get into, check that out up there. Those are caves? Yes, they are. That's insane. I mean, those must be a thousand feet off the ground. So those could be filled with archaeological treasures? Yes. To understand who made these cave complexes and whether they could be related to Shambhala, Mark guides the convoy further north into the valley. His route will take us to caves near the village of Chosur and then to Lomantang, once the capital of an ancient kingdom and the largest village in the region. How would you describe the roads north of here? There's some parts of it that are decent, and then most of the road is quite scrappy. When you say some parts are decent? The half mile. Oh, really, you're going to want to use whatever driving skill you have achieved over the years of your life. <laughs> this is the ultimate test. How bad could it be? Bad. There's no pavement, and instead of a shoulder, you get a 300-foot drop into a new career in archaeology. As a subject. As we progress, the road gets markedly steeper. And then it gets downright sinister. Ice. Wow, look at this. Okay, here we go. I see water. Okay. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. I get out of the car to assess the situation. He might be stuck. Cascading ice and water from the peaks above have turned an unstable road into a death trap. One of our vehicles is now stuck in the slushy mess. Real icy in here and wet, and so much weight in the cargo vehicles that he just can't get through it. Our team tries to fill the hole with flat stones over which the 4x4 can roll. Go, 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 yeah! Nice work. Out of breath, but safe, we climb back into the 4x4s and drive until the steep and rocky terrain forces us to walk. We stop here. Yeah. Yes, sir. No more road. On foot. Okay, let's get ready to hike. The landscape here is utterly empty. For the first time in my life, I'm getting a good idea of how Buzz Aldrin must have felt. Whew. Not easy. Mark has brought us here because archaeologists have identified another collection of sky caves, and locals claim to have spotted other structures that have never been explored. We hike on, enveloped by the clearest sunshine and purest air on Earth. Though as we pass 13,000 feet, I could use a bit more of the air. <sighs> Hold on. 
Caves, yeah? Hours of hiking, and we've arrived at some seriously remote, man-made caves. Okay, now we just have to get in. Okay, get the ladders going, we'll get up there. The Nepalese team quickly lashes the two ladders together into an extension ladder in which I have zero confidence. Okay, let's get into it. One of our local guides takes the first trip up to the cave. Okay. Next, it's Mark's turn. You make it, Mark? I'm good. Okay, I'm coming up. This is one crazy ladder. Almost there. Okay, here we go. Oh, wow. Climbing in, I see that the small opening in the cliff was just the beginning. A low passage leads to a sun-soaked chamber. And on the walls, painted art from more than 500 years ago. Oh, I was not expecting this. Oh, my word. This was worth the walk up, I hope, no? Oh, my God, big time. That is incredible. From floor to ceiling, the walls are covered with meticulously painted Buddhist imagery. And within that art, clues to help understand the cave itself. What makes this unique is, is that there's artistic uh, designs in different hands. So in other words, a number of different individuals came here and painted this on the walls of this cave. When you look at each of these panels, there's a variety of different artistic styles that are represented on this wall. Okay. So you take a look at this individual here with the, you know, the staring black eyes looking right out at you. There's an identical image found in a monastery in Ladakh, which is in northwestern India. Only one of two images like that in the world. That's correct. Wow. But that tells you the strength and power of this place. The existence of work by different ancient artists, as well as the same painting in two different places, means that people traveled hundreds of miles by foot to this cave as a destination. Sadly, it is vanishing before our very eyes. They're going to be reclaimed, I would think, at some point by the environment. Even yeah. though it's dry, it's still wet enough that, you know, if water begins to seep in cracks, the paint peels off, right. the art is gone. In a hundred years, it is almost certain this place will be gone. Perhaps like Shambhala itself, one day these caves will be thought of as a myth. So I count myself lucky to have seen them. Mark, this was amazing. We carefully move back through the narrow cave entrance and down the ladder to continue our investigation. We're trying to spot never-before-excavated rock structures that we were alerted to by the locals in the village below. We carefully hike across the sheer ridge. There's little room for error here. Watch your step. Once across, we look for a way to the top of the rise. Being the ladder there. Oh, if you're afraid of heights, here's a pro tip for you. Don't ever lean a homemade ladder up against a crumbling rock tower at the edge of a cliff. Wall is crumbling here, guys. Be careful. Back up, back up, back up. You okay? It's really sketchy up here. So, what do we got? When you have small chambers like this, there are only one of two things you usually put inside. Something stored or human burials. So, let's see what the hell's in there. We got human burials. Oh my God. Wow. Very good score. Any sense of how old this might be? It's earlier than 800 AD. This is actually an amazingly important find. This is astounding. 
we've discovered human remains that indicate that even in ancient times, people considered these mountains sacred. By extension, the dizzyingly high sky caves may have been put up here for the same reason – to be closer to the gods. No doubt that many of the caves were considered holy ground for cremations and burials of the dead. Look at that. This is a group of people that still are largely a mystery, right? If it's as early as I think it could be, it might help us recalibrate what our thinking is about this region. This is a really tangible link to the past. After photographing the site, we hike back down the mountain to our 4x4s and drive toward our next stop, the ancient city of Lomantang. It's dark by the time we arrive at our tea house, so we won't get our first look until morning. Morning in the Mustang region. We're only about 20 miles from the border of Tibet, and we're on the doorstep of a place that I've traveled a long way to see. This is Lomantang, population about 1,400 people, but believe it or not, that still makes this the biggest city for hundreds of miles. This was once the capital of the Kingdom of Lo, a walled fortress with 14 guard posts and two gates to keep out potential invaders. Today, this is not just an entrance to a city, it is a portal to another time and place. Welcome to the past. A city made of mud, sweat, and prayers. This isn't a tourist attraction. This isn't a reenactment. This is, for all intents and purposes, life in the Middle Ages. It is also the best preserved example of ancient Tibetan culture left on Earth. Residents even collect and dry out yak dung to burn in their stoves. Excuse me, just if, if I could just... It's fine. Hi. As I continue my stroll through the 1400s, I notice that the women of Lomantang seem to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Meanwhile, I find the guys in town hanging out at the local bar. Namaste. Just without the bar part. What are we talking about? Women? Money? The usual. Sure enough, it isn't long before someone brings a tray. And it isn't just tea they're pouring. <laughs> For me? Yeah. What is this? Oh, very good. Smells good. I think I just found enlightenment. This is Roxy, Nepalese moonshine. Cheers. 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 I tell you what it tastes like, Cheers. but I can no longer taste anything else for comparison. Uh, you guys are the best. I love you guys. Let's always stay in touch. Yeah. Because I'm driving, I leave my full glass of Roxy with Norman Cliff back there and take a stroll before we load up and move further into the Mustang. Okay, convoy, we're moving out. Here we go. Where are we headed? Well, today we're headed toward the Marzong area. Apparently there's a cave system called Pumamba. And what's in the Pumamba caves? Well, we don't know what's in the Pumamba caves. Uh -huh. They haven't been explored by anybody's team, so I think that uh, they're worth taking a look at. For sure. God, just a little bumpy in here. The road to paradise is far from paved. We're driving near the restricted border of Tibet to a valley that contains the mysterious sky caves. We drive through the seemingly barren valley, inventing the road as we go. But soon, we hit the end of the line. Okay, so here we are. Pumanga is just a little bit further down valley. Okay, here we go. We're less than an hour's hike to the caves, 
But once the sun goes down, it gets really cold around here. So we'll need to make camp before we set off on foot. Josh, you want me to carry one of those? No, no, I got this, Brian. You sure? No, no, don't worry about it. All right, you look pretty solid. Yeah, no, you just stand there with that one small camera. Okay. I got all this. Josh, Josh Gates finally doing some work around here. Finally. This is something to kill all of you. I'm going to leave you all out here for dead. With camp set, it's time for another high-altitude hike. We're setting out to survey a group of sky caves that have never been explored. The enigmatic caverns of this region have been linked to the Shangri-La legend, so we're eager to see what might be hiding inside. Is that it? That's Pumamba, right dead ahead. Wow. So nobody's been up inside them before? No, this is uncharted territory for us. Caves are absolutely stunning and really mysterious looking, but as you get close to them, they're also something else. They're terrifying. The enormity of the caves is finally clear to me. And one thing is for certain. We're going to need a bigger ladder. Good Lord. That is a real challenge. Looks doable. You know, with the right kind of ropes and good guide, you should be able to get in there no problem. You're going in there. No, I'm not going in there. Really? Really. Bad back. Bad back. I got bad everything, Mark. <laughs> High altitude caves like this are Mark's passion. But since he's recovering from a recent injury, he won't be able to attempt an ascent. Who is the man in charge then? I think that the most important thing to do is to put this all in Nima's hands because he's the pro. He knows how to get into these places. Our local team member Nima has been climbing in this region all his life and knows firsthand how dangerous these crumbling cliffs really are. First, uh, we need to put some anchors up there. Okay. And then traverse that scary rock section and then <laughs> climb up to the rocky point. Okay, great. Let's get to work. The cliffs here are made up of the softest rock this side of Barry Manilow, which is why they're collapsing to dust before our eyes. So, order of events. You're going to go up first? Yep. You guys are going to set the anchor points? Mm. We're following up, and we'll be talking to you and walkie-talkie. Sounds good. Climb safe. Hey, thanks, man. Good luck. We carefully hike up the lower embankment while Nima sets pitons into the rock. We'll then clip into a fixed rope and move together across the cliff face. The problem is that these canyons are made of loose conglomerate. Step in the wrong place, and the whole hillside can come down like the world's biggest game of Jenga. There they go. I thought Shangri-La was supposed to be peaceful. This is terrifying. We make it up to the first plateau, and then clip into the next section of rope and ease our way across the face of the cliff. Very slippy and very loose. These are the Widowmakers right here. There's just huge boulders and all this loose conglomerate waiting to let go. Makes this incredibly dangerous. Whew. Got a kind of foothold. Okay, now what? Now what? Now what? I got it. Finally, we make it to the edge of the caves. <laughs> yeah. Hey. That was stupid. Oh, God. Look at how sketchy this thing is now that we're inside of it. It looks twice as bad. How the hell am I going to get down from here? The cave openings that we saw from the ground are deceptive. Now that we're up here, there's more than meets the eye. The caves are merely windows to a huge network of interconnected tunnels. This place is like a massive ant farm for people. On the right, room after room. On the left, not much. It's a long way down. Check this out. Wow. 
This is so cool. Look at this. Inside the caverns, there's construction. Mysterious mud brick enclosures of every shape and size. Lots of little chambers in here. There's actually so much architecture once you get inside of these caves as they actually have design to them. I make sure to take dozens of photos for Mark and Mohan to analyze later. Okay, good. Let's keep moving. The number of passages is disorienting. Left, right, up, down. It's a total labyrinth. But with effort comes reward. Oh, look at this. Come here. Look. Look at that. Beautiful piece of ceramic. How cool is that? Mark, can you read me? Yes, uh, Josh. Come in. Found some beautiful pottery up here, Mark. Looks like a bowl of some kind. Black on the outside. Okay, we think it's a cooking pot. That is unreal. We explore for hours, carefully traversing passage after passage. In each chamber, we find the remains of a vanished culture. Room after room after room. It's not a cave. It's a city. Thousands of people could have lived up here. It's incredible. But just when I think I've explored every nook and cranny... Oh my God, look at this! Look at this! Come here, look! Holy... <laughs> oh my God! Mark, we got artwork up here. There's a painting on the wall here. It looks like a white and red... Plaster. It looks Tibetan. That is totally fantastic. Make sure you get a good documentation of this. I'll take a lot of photos for you. That is something. I mean... We are the first people to see this. You are the first people to see this in probably 500 years. <laughs> that is discovery. This is awesome. The painting is vivid, spelling out a message from across time. Josh for Mark, come in. Mark here, Josh. What can you see above me here? Anything? How, how high up am I in the complex? Here in the upper window. There's no place higher for you to go. I do have a question for you, though. Yeah, hit me. Have you found Shambhala yet? <laughs> Maybe I have. Copy that. <laughs> you think, why would anybody want to live in a cave on the side of a cliff? And then you see the view. <laughs> for a life of quiet reflection, there's no better place in the world to be. Oh, man. Imagine living here. Pull up the ladders, and no army could take this place. You're in the ultimate fortress of solitude. With the sun beginning to set, it's time to head back to camp. As we warm up by the fire, I sit down with Mark and Mohan to review our pictures of the caves. And here is the painting. Wow, that is just amazingly beautiful. Look how well preserved that is. It's really clear and crisp. Yeah. yeah. Not often do we find whole wall segments that have painting on it like this. Oh, cool. What are we looking at here? The Buddhist yeah. mantra. Okay. Looking at the structure of the rooms, looking at the paintings, what can we say about this place? This is home. This is home to families that came down from the Tibetan plateau at some point after 1000 AD. Why go through all the trouble of, of going up to these really dangerous cliffside areas and, and hollowing out these caves? You know, arable land is so scarce here. What people are doing is not living on that arable land. Keep in mind, there's a great deal of political instability of the entire region. So people are likely also putting themselves into these high places to protect themselves from other folks coming through that might want to take that away from them. That security is one of the most crucial aspects of the Shambhala myth, a safe place free from the threat of war. 
But the biggest clue about whether these caves were a real Shangri-La is the meditation painting we discovered. The locals have told Mark and Mohan that they've seen similar paintings at a remote and hidden monastery, a place that might have been built by the same people who constructed the sky caves. Could this location reveal the truth behind whether this place was really a heaven on Earth? With temperatures now well below freezing, the answer will have to wait until tomorrow. My team and I face the day and get ready for one last adventure. We notice some new arrivals at camp. Headed out to a place called Chudzum. And, and what is this place? Well, it's got a cave monastery. It's a branch of uh, Tibetan Buddhism, which is relatively rare around here. And has anybody looked inside of this place? Never. This is a place totally unseen by the outside world. Only the locals who continue to maintain the monastery for rituals know its location. No foreigner has ever filmed there. We're accompanied by a local monk who carries a key and his blessing for us to see the holy site. The landscape is frigid and vast, and roads are non-existent. Though these valleys seem like the surface of the moon, there is life here. Grass growing and signs of agricultural terraces. As we get further up valley... There it is! See it? You see it? Look at that! On the trail of the legendary Shambhala, we've traveled to one of the most hidden monasteries on Earth. Few people in the modern age have ever seen this place. Okay, let's tie up the horses here and we'll try to find a way up on foot. We hike toward the cliff. It seems impassable, but the monk leads us to a narrow and hidden slot in the rocks. Then, round the bend, we encounter stunning religious murals, painted with the same pigments we saw at the sky caves. That's just beautiful. Wow. And then, like characters from Lost Horizon, the weary Western travelers arrive hungry and tired at the door of a remote monastery. This is gorgeous. This is unbelievable. Wood beams half a millennia old and representations of Kala Chakra, the deity who guards Shambhala. Well, shall we see what's inside? Let's do. The Lama produces a key and unlocks the door to a place that has been hidden away for centuries. This is like something from another age. I mean, it's like a, like a time capsule. Very much so. But as staggering as this is, it's nothing compared to what's waiting in the inner sanctuary. Oh, wow. Oh, my word. Look at this. Here we are at last, the home of the gods. Deities created an intricate detail in the darkness of this holy site. And they all are demanding their sacrifice. Each of them has a skull cup in the left hand. This is the top of a human skull. Correct. Tantric offerings are put inside those, sometimes blood, sometimes grain, sometimes water. That is something else. The statues are adorned with armor and weapons brought here over the course of centuries. There are crossbows from the 1400s, helmets from Tibet, and even armor from the era of Chinggis Khan. Wait a minute. Is this what I think it is, Mark? Uh, if only. Oh. I know where you're going with it, but it's not. Boy, for a second, I thought we really <laughs> hit the jackpot here. Returning to the monastery's outer chamber, we try to take stock of what we've seen. 
this idea of Shangri-La, what's your impression of it now that you've seen the collection in here? It looks like a very uninhabitable place, but yet look what they do to it. They right. create all of this beauty and all of this you know, ritual and all of this circumstance. They reflect that idea of the Shangri-La. They've turned this place into something that is magical. It is, very yeah. much so. This is the final puzzle piece in our exploration of Nepal's sky caves. At lower altitudes, we saw caves used by Buddhists as workshops for skilled artists. The high caves we climbed into revealed a city inside a mountain, a place for meditation, and a home with impenetrable security, which no army could breach. And now here, evidence of sustained agriculture, terraces that transformed valleys into farms, and within this shrine, a portal to commune directly with the gods. Shangri-La is not a myth. The Mustang region of Nepal is, in a very real sense, an earthly Shambhala. It is a land hidden among clouds, a place of tranquility, cradled by the eternal Himalayas. But it is also fragile. The art, the caves, even the land itself is constantly being returned to the earth, where it is renewed again. Here, time is measured in eons. The Himalayas will give and take, and we will continue to rest in their shadows and search for enlightenment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.